Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the upgraded Matt. Hello there. Hello, Matt. Hello, David. It's been a while. It's been it's been ages, hasn't it? Yeah. Not for the listeners. They've just been dumping us in their ears every week. But <laughs> yeah, no. Can, but we've. Uh, can I yeah. can I just say, David, this week's mm-hmm. episode very very special episode. Is it? What makes it special, Matt? Right. Well, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking mm-hmm. it's been my birthday this week. It's all about David. But no, mm-hmm. no. I I'm going to dedicate this week's episode to someone very special. I'm all ears. Okay. This week's episode is dedicated to Jessica Wummel. Now, this is not a name that rings any bells with me, so please do elucidate. Uh, I, I know you're playing Kai. Of course you know Jessica Wummel. Um, mm, should, should I know Jessica? Well, <laughs> is you, this... okay. you, you should by the time I finish telling you this story. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So, do you remember, once upon a time, mm. I, I put a silly message on Reddit about Doctor Who and kangaroos, and someone was kind enough to reply... And it turned out it was Marty McLean, and we've loved him every day since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, similar scenario. I want you to go back a few weeks, David. Okay. And I, I said that some of our listeners had started to tune in based on a post in a Facebook forum right. uh, saying, you know, how enjoyable our show is. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, we were contacted by the person that made that post, having listened to the episode, and that person... It's Jessica Wummel. Ah, well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Jessica. It's really lovely. So I've told her she is the first honorary inductee to the Marty McLean Hall of Fame. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. Um, You can make a little badge that says, I'm better than the rest of these dorks. (laughs) We need some some little sort of trumpet fanfare or something, don't we? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm on the edit this week. I can chuck something in. So yeah, I, I, had, I had a lovely chat this week with mm. Jessica. She seems like a really good person. Uh, funnily enough, this week I should have been in America on my holiday that's constantly getting cancelled. Oh, and no. I would have been yeah. in Detroit and Jessica's from Michigan. So we would have, we would have been close. Yeah. But that, that uh, begs well. a question, doesn't it, David? Yeah. Okay, we've got to nail our colours to the mast when it comes to Michigan. Are we right. going to support the Michigan Wolverines or the Michigan State Spartans? Well, uh, uh, you know, as a, um, a admirer of the X-Men franchise, surely you're leaning towards the Wolverines. Nah, f*** the Wolverines. We're, we're Spartans all the way. <laughs> all right, then. I, I bleed green and white. I love the Spartans. I'll take your word for They're it. They're my favourite American hand egg team. <laughs> um, alrighty then. Um, so it's a special episode. It is indeed. Uh, we should probably also mention one of the other reasons why it's special. Go on. Is that we're going to be discussing World Enough and Time later on. Yeah, yeah. Considerably later, presumably, but... Um, yeah, that's. Should, should uh, we have a little? Should we have a little teaser for later mm. when we discuss that episode? Because I'm going to modify our episode rating system. 
Are you? Right, well, I, don't say any more than that. No, Matt. no, no, no. Just a yeah. little tease to keep people on the line, hooked in for I'm, later. I am very intrigued to, to hear what, uh, what, what that's going to entail. You, you know, like last episode where I said, oh, I apologise, I've been so grumpy recently. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% up for this, David. I'm well in the zone for this tonight. Is it is it in part just because you've had a little break? <laughs> yeah, possibly. I've just had such a good week. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I think it's because my isolation's over and I can like experience the free world again. And of course, school's out. Mm. So you know you're uh, footloose and fancy free. Yeah, and my wife's been off this off work this week. But haven't really seen her because she spent the week getting her HGV heavy goods vehicle driving license. Everyone's got to have a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just sit in my attic and talk to you, but she's like being productive. <laughs> uh, productivity's overrated. Uh, anyway, let's. Where do you want to begin, Matt? Where do you want to begin this? this um. Week? Let me think. Should we do... I'm, I'm going to turn it all the way around. We'll work from the bottom of my running order and work upwards. Should we start okay. with Meal of the Week? Let's do it. Okay, Meal so, of the Week. So what do you have for breakfast today? Breakfast was toast and marmite, the usual, but oh. I will say it was a lovely sourdough Ooh. bread nice. we had on the go. Nice crust so, on it. Mm, yeah, lovely crust. It was it was just good sourdough bread, so nice. hard to beat that. Um, what about you? For breakfast today, I had the remnants of last night's Chinese. <laughs> I had a little bit of sweet and sour chicken, a little bit of rice, and a crispy duck roll. Mm. That that is a, a horrifying thought for me, purely because. Chinese, for whatever reason, Chinese takeaway does not tend to agree with me. Oh, really? And the idea of it the, the, the following morning, I can't even begin to imagine what havoc would be wreaked by that. What if I told um, you for tea, I had some leftover soup that I got from the Chinese? <laughs> oh, that Chinese takeaway has done me for three meals in two days. <laughs> well, can't argue with that, I suppose. But, um, yeah... What about your meal of the week, Matt? Right. Well, meal of the week, I kind of have to give you a little bit of context. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go for it. Now, it's context you'll understand, but I don't think anyone else listening will. Okay. Because for the first time in over a year, I went to a local store. Mm-hmm. Okay. I went to Sam Turner's. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Now... L- People around our area love Sam Turner's. It's a shop that sells everything. Mm-hmm. You can get a bacon sandwich, some Lego, shotgun cartridges, and some washing powder, all <laughs> under one roof. <laughs> it's like yeah. a garden centre farming shop. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it it's... sells everything. It's like it's like North Yorkshire's answer to Walmart. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's a very strange shop. But it, its cafe is also pretty legendary local. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I went with my wife, and I can't remember the last time I had this. I had a ploughman's lunch. Oh, so I, I love a good ploughman's. It had excellent cheese, 
outstanding mm. ham, pork pie, um, you know, proper nice crusty bread. The coleslaw was lovely. The salad was exceptional. The whole shebang, it just mm. worked. It was lovely. Fantastic. And, and I've had some good meals this week. One of them's going to mm. feature in Would I Lie to Who? Um, <laughs> you know, I went out that's... for a lovely Sunday dinner today. I've eaten well this week, but that mm. ploughman's just hit the spot. Is it a contender for meal of the year? Do you know what? It it would be up there. I I, I genuinely... Th- I, I, again... So we're talking at least that maybe top five of the year? Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to take something outstanding to beat my wedding anniversary cake. But mm. that Ploughman's, it was just... I went with my wife, you know, I'm off work for the summer. Just everything was just perfect. Fantastic. Well, that's lovely to hear. What What about you? Um... Well, I've been I've been away. I've been um, uh, visiting uh, a lot of my partner's relatives. Um, I've had a birthday, so you know, I've I've eaten well. I've had some memorable meals over the last. Was uh, there any days. birthday cake involved? Not precisely. So what ended up happening with um, oh my birthday? It was. Uh, my we basically for context listeners my partner and i borrowed um her parents camper van and we took it away for a couple of days we went up to perthshire and uh so we ended up on this campsite um in perthshire which had a lovely walk that was about two miles to the to the nearest village and you know it took you past waterfalls and valleys and beautiful rolling hills and just a really gorgeous little walk. Uh, I mean, it took us like uh, over three hours with a toddler. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was lovely all the same. So we did that um, and stumbled across this really uh, n- nice local bakery in the village there. Um, so uh, my partner snuck in. Uh, and bought a few bits and bobs to to take for us to take back for afternoon tea, basically. So that was my birthday meal. Standout of which was undoubtedly the strawberry tarts that they did. And I'm not always a strawberry tart person, but these were exceptional. So good. Um, but actually, it wasn't my birthday meal itself that would that I think is my meal of the week. Uh-huh. Um, but it was actually the present my partner got me that was waiting um waiting for us when we got back um she was hoping it had been delivered it would be delivered before uh we left but unfortunately timing didn't work out um she's got me a subscription box for the year uh, um for snacks from around the world oh nice a different country every month um which I'm really excited about as, as an appreciator of terrible junk food. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first box was America. Okay. And I'm not a particularly well-traveled person, but I have, I, I did once visit America. Um, and uh, uh, amongst the, the, the many items in that, I haven't, to be clear, I've not like demolished the whole box yet or anything. <laughs> we, we picked a couple of items out initially. Uh, and the first one I had to go with, out of pure nostalgia for my one trip to America, because I got addicted to them when I was there, despite the fact that they are objectively awful. 
was uh, pizza flavor combos. Oh wow! Wow, that's something I'm totally unfamiliar with. So, uh, imagine Matt a pretzel. Yep. But imagine it's in tube form. Okay. Uh, uh, filled with a sort of vaguely pizza-flavoured gunk, texture-wise not dissimilar to the filling in, uh, you know, those snack crackers uh-huh. with the little cream cheese filling that always like a savoury custard cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling oh, them. Like... So it's a sort of waxy, waxy, foamy gunk. Yeah, I mean, just by yeah. looking at the picture, I can imagine exactly what they taste like. Yeah, they are horrid, but I got addicted to them when I was in. I I, I don't know why. It's just it's just the the sheer they assault you with 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 their with their weird saltiness and the the weird mixture of the incredibly hard crunchy pretzel and then that that gloop in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm sure our American listeners are horrified. I'm sure anyone with any taste does not actually enjoy eating combos. But well, why why don't know. we ask friend of the show Jessica Wummel what she thinks? <laughs> yes, just just uh, you know you've th- got the email. Up, just ping yeah. us a message, just a <laughs> thumbs up or a thumbs down emoji. But anyway, so yeah, that was just kind of a weird nostalgia thing for me, um, and also. What a lovely, wonderful thing for my for my partner to get me for my birthday. She's a good egg. I've said it before. Yeah. She's the unsung hero of this pod. And, and I think it's a perfect example of absolutely nailing a birthday present. Because I think the best present you can get someone is something that you know they are going to like, but they would never think to actually spend their own money on. Mm. And that absolutely fits the bill with that, I think. so. See, for yeah. me... I- I, I always say on my birthday, just buy me socks, right? Mm. Because they're useful, but I also kind of begrudge spending my own money on them. Exactly, yeah. Just I actually did did get some socks from, from my partner's parents, um, and they've got little, uh, little wind-up toy dinosaurs on. Oh, they're amazing. excellent. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. So, because it's a late recording, we could do what did you have for lunch, what did you have for dinner? Mm, okay. Um, scrambled eggs and homemade pizza, respectively. Oh, nice. I had roast beef Sunday dinner and then mm. some chicken soup. Ah, yes, the aforementioned soup. Yeah. 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 So that neatly rounds out all um, all the food chat for, for yep. this Tick that episode. off. So, Lovely. shall we move into television highlight of the week? Mm. Bearing in mind that we both agreed earlier that because... This is going to be a long episode. We will yeah. keep this short. <laughs> I will try my level best. I mean, we're, um, we're going to go off on tangents. This episode's going to be probably. two hours long. Probably. Let's let's be realistic. Um, but yeah, do you want to go first, Matt? What was your what was your TV highlight of the week? So last week, when we should have been recording, but mm-hmm. we obviously had a little break. I took myself back to the cinema. All right. Shoes off, of course. mm Hmm recliner chair so I could rub my feet all over the leather incline bit <sighs> and yep. I took myself to go see the Suicide Squad and how did you find it? infinitely better than the first one wow I mean I, I'll be honest I've still not seen the first one so I can't say whether or not that's dabbing with faint praise but, um, um, well the first one's not great and the second one is pretty good I did enjoy it I liked it quite a lot 
Excellent. One thing I would say, you know I gambled and said Peter Capaldi would have a show-stealing performance. Yeah. Not in it that much, really. Mm, that's a shame. There's a lot. Not of... altogether a surprise, because it is a big ensemble piece. Yeah, there's a lot of them like going, oh, look, over there, and it's just Peter Capaldi walking. But you don't really see him do what we know he's capable of. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm going to cut put as my television highlight of the week. And we kind of need to change that title because we sometimes just put entertainment highlight of the week. <laughs> I like it. I think we should stick with it. Just doggedly stick with the title right. and, and, and eventually sort of branch out into art galleries and, yeah. you know, just well, anything. This week, you know, I mentioned that I'd been playing a lot of Fire Emblem and I was just looking for that one game to hook me in. Yes. David, that game... Is Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> right? And don't you dare yeah. think for one second I haven't flown over your house. <laughs> okay? I've done all the sites. I send my mum pictures of me, like, flying over her house. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an airfield right near my house. I land there all the time. There's an airfield... Well, there's a landing strip near your house. I do that flight quite a bit. Lovely. Yeah. I I'm hooked, David. <laughs> the other day... Right? I've set myself the challenge that I'm going to fly around the world on Microsoft Flight Simulator. The yes. other day, I flew Newcastle to London. 45 yep. minutes on autopilot. I just did the taking off and the landing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Then I flew London to Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. Yeah. Most of that was just flying over the channels, so there was nothing to look at. <laughs> Yeah. And then I flew from Paris Charles de Gaulle to Rome over the Alps, and that was lovely. So currently, I'm at Rome. Fantastic. I'm... I, I, I'm totally addicted to it. It's a game where nothing happens, mm -hmm. but it's so relaxing. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I don't blame you. If I, if I had a system that could handle it, I, I could see myself getting sucked in by it. it, it you know, it's also weird. This is not the first conversation I've had about this game this week. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, one of one of my partner's relatives has just gotten massively into it. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's because it launched on Xbox Game Pass. So right. just when I've had forty five minutes, I'm just like, I, I imagine I could probably get to Leeds Bradford Airport in that time. <laughs> I always set off from the little base near my house. Yeah, and, and just off I go. And sometimes oh, what funny. I like to do is fly as high as possible, so like mm -hmm. 45,000 feet, then point the aeroplane at the earth, switch off all the engines, put it into free fall, but then just click autopilot to see what happens. <laughs> you know? And what does tend to happen? Um, atrocities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, well then, I mean, yeah, I can't blame you, in all honesty. I can't blame you. Um, Have you got an entertainment highlight of the week? I do, yes, and it is actually TV. Um, because, uh, you know, we've had this little break and I've had an opportunity to um, potentially, you know, just have a bit of time to myself. I thought, what better time then now to download the first assignment of Sapphire and Steel on Brickbox. 
Uh, are you familiar with Sapphire and Steel, Matt? No, it sounds like some sort of like crime drama. It was ITV's attempt in the, I want to say, early 80s to kind of try and steal a bit of Doctor Who's audience. Okay. Um, and What, so ha- it's, like two people? Um, yeah, so it's Ian McKellum and... Uh, no, I was Joanna. talking about the uh, Doctor Who audience. Oh, right. In the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I won't bite. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, Ian McCallum and uh, Joanna Lumley. Okay. Playing these weird sort of extra-dimensional temporal investigators. And basically, you know, some kind of time's gone wonky in some way and they sort of just show up and fix it. Um but it's it, it it has bags of atmosphere like it's almost like a stage play because it was made so cheaply it's like one one standing set of just this old creepy house for the first story um and it's just i it, it, i found it so absorbing it's it's uh really really good stuff but it's, it's like exactly the kind of thing that would never get made today mm-hmm um, but I cannot recommend it enough, and, and I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of it. I think it, there's something like six serials, total of something like thirty odd episodes. Um, I think so. Not not quite as daunting a prospect as Doctor Who, with its one billion episodes. Are, are you aiming to watch it from beginning to end? That's very much the intention. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but like so like I say, I just watched the first story, which is six parts, over the course of my holiday. Just sort of snatching 15 minutes here and there when I could. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, so, then, uh, what's, what's left to discuss? Uh, we've got, would I lie to who? Ah, uh, yes. Now, you messaged me earlier today when we were sort of arranging this recording session and said you had, I believe your word, was your words that it was a doozy? Uh, I maybe said Some, a cracker. A cracker, yeah. Oh, I have a cracking, would I lie to who? A cracking one. So that's that's what you're being promised, listeners. Right. I, I've fallen one. back in love with would I lie to who this week after being a bit down on it recently. Excellent. Well, I am looking forward to this. Right, so, last Wednesday, I went out for dinner with my wife, and we met up with a friend of mine that I went to school with, Mm -hmm. and I've kept in touch with, but I haven't seen her in person for probably 10 years, if not Mm -hmm. more. Always keep in touch, you know, our family, our friends, she's just one of those, like, good people that you want to keep in your life, so... Um, She's moved back to the area, so I said, you know, if you need a hand moving, let me know. And subsequently, last Wednesday, we went out for dinner. Now, that's the the dog. I hope that's the dog again. (laughs) It is indeed. So, whilst we were having dinner, Mm -hmm. my friend mentioned an odd character trait. That I used to display when I was young. Oh, right, okay. okay. So, this would have been when I was about 17, 18. 
Right. And I'm going to give you three options, David, that I would like mm-hmm. you to choose from. Now, this is fascinating for you because, of course, you we were in our sort of early to mid-twenties when we met. Uh, like that. Yeah, I would have been mid-twenties. Twenties, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is something about me you don't know. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and they all relate to just going out when you're young. Okay. Okay. Something I I have very little frame of reference for. (laughs) Right. Option number one. Whenever we would go to house parties together, I would always insist on a cigar before bedtime. (laughs) Okay. Option number two. For a prolonged period, I had a reputation for crying when we went to the cinema. Mm Mm-hmm. Or option number three, I would quite often carry with me on a night out or at a house party a scotch egg, which I would proclaim is the ultimate hangover cure. Right. Okay. So, cigar, crying, or scotch egg. Right. Okay. (laughs) Talk to me about the cigar. When did that start, do you think? Uh, You must know when, when... you got into those. Yeah, well, I was one of those freaky kids that was like six foot two when I was about 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I could be served for cigarettes and alcohol probably from about the age of 15. Right. And I, I just assumed it was what adults did. <laughs> you know, I would act like I was Billy Big Balls. I'd be like, right, everyone's going to bed. I guess I guess it's uh, cigar time, guys. <laughs> Because you, because you, your frame of reference for what adults do was based entirely on like nineteen fifties film noir. Yeah, it's what Boise from <laughs> Only Fools and Horses used to do. So, no, I suppose. So I'd just yeah. be like, right, everyone's, you know, tucking in for the night. I think, mm-hmm. I think it must be time for a King Edward. Mm. And it was exclusively King Edward brand cigars. I would buy. <laughs> okay. And when did you knock it on the head, then? Because uh, I'm assuming you don't still do that. No, probably... I can't remember exactly, but probably when I moved away to university. Right. And I was just like, hmm, people from elsewhere don't seem to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. As a sort of youthful folly thing... I can believe it. I can oddly believe that one. Like, uh, okay, you, you know, you know, when you're young and you're just like, I'm going to go out and drink twenty beers because you have no yeah. concept of how much is too much. Mm. It, it was the same for me with cigars. I was just like, I'm just, I'm just going to puff on some cigars before I, bedtime. I don't, I don't really do that, but certainly I get the sort of like when you're a teenager and you're trying to carve out an identity for yourself, and if you're a little, if you're a little unsure of it, you'll just be like, okay, this could be my thing. I will have a thing, and my thing will be this. Yeah, me, me and my friends um, refer to it as a personality hat. You, you know when yeah. people have no personality, they just wear a big mental hat, so everyone mm-hmm. calls them hat guy. Yeah. Yeah, I was cigar boy. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That, that it's, it's plausible. It's plausible. Um, okay, crying at the cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would argue who doesn't do that, but yeah, I, I, but I, I it, it was more the films I cried at. What so, sort of films? So are you talking? we, between us, we definitely remembered three films. Okay, okay. 
So one we both agreed I cried at was The Notebook, which I would say is acceptable. It's a very sad film. Sure. Okay. Now, one I distinctly remember crying at is Spider-Man 2. Okay, that's totally on brand for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the end where he... Mary Jane sees him and his mask's all blasted to bits and they, mm-hmm. you know, everything comes full circle. But then one that my friend reminded me I cried at, The Incredibles. <laughs> and yeah. as soon as she said it, I was like, yeah, if I watched it now, I'd probably cry. I watched mm-hmm. Incredibles 2 recently and it's pretty good, but... Um, yeah, I, I mean... I've cried. I've cried on a lot of Pixar films. I don't know whether Incredibles is one of them. It's it Violet, be. man. Violet. She's invisible, yeah. but all she really wants is to be seen. Yeah. Gets me every time. But yeah, okay. Um, I feel like that's not too. That's. It's almost too obvious, like that one. That's maybe too. You know, like that's not, not an outlandish enough trait. I wouldn't have thought. So, I'm going to rule that one out. So, um, what was the other one? Uh, Scotch egg. I would take Scotch eggs with me to house parties yeah. because I think they're the ultimate hangover cure. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I guess are you are these like when you're intending to stay the night. At, yeah. At the house? Yeah. Right. So okay. if it was planned, so I was going to say otherwise, I don't really see the practicality of it. Just keep no. the Scotch egg in your fridge at I, home. No, I would wouldn't be in the nightclub bopping away with a Scotch egg. But me, <laughs> me and my friends, because we live in Yorkshire, we quite often used to have campouts. Yeah. Where we just go get drunk in a field. But think about the components of a Scotch egg, mm. right? Now, when you've got a banging hangover, the main thing mm. you want is some sort of full English, like a proper breakfast sandwich. Yeah. You want egg, you want sausage meat, and yeah. you want bread. Now, imagine yeah. that combined into one handy tennis ball shaped meal. Mm-hmm. Scotch eggs. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't dispute the logic. You know, if you're in Tesco's buying a slab of Foster's or something, mm-hmm. just chuck a couple of Scotch eggs in the trolley. Now, is this something? So, this is something you maintain to this day, then? You? No, no, no. It's something I've grown out of. It, right. It, it. Like I say, when we went for this meal, just my friend Caroline just literally said, "Do you remember when we used to go out and he just used to eat Scotch eggs every day?" <laughs> and I'd be like. Uh, yeah, and of course, my wife absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so it's between the cigars and the scotch eggs, I think. I'm going to go out on a limb. Because I, I feel like we talk so much about food on this podcast. I feel like you're trying to draw me in with the Scotch egg. But I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it's the cigars. Just because it's the sort of thing that I think, you know, a teenager looking for a gimmick would do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go for that. It's the cigars. Right. Well, David, when I was younger, I had a habit of smoking a cigar before bedtime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, do you want to know how how we reached this conversation? So there we, go on. we were talking about lockdown because I hadn't seen my friend since before lockdown. And yeah. my wife was 
discussing my love of booths and really decadent fancy foods. Right, yeah. And, and then my friend Caroline remembered that when I used to go out drinking, when we had house parties, you know how mm. I said most people would buy like a slab of lager and maybe a bottle of vodka, something like that? <laughs> Guess what I used to buy from the off-licence? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Keep in mind, yeah. this was me being very pretentious. This was when I was smoking cigars. I I, dr- I don't know. I dread. To, I can't even think that. Go. Bottle of absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being like seventeen, eighteen, going to yeah. the off license. You know, twenty, thirty quid in your pocket, just thinking, "This is it. Bottle of absinthe and a cigar." <laughs> You could buy so much lager for the equivalent price. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is fascinating. But, but the thing is, I do think it's still sort of on brand. You have, like, you've got this this one side of your map, which is, you know, straight down the middle, average English bloke. Mm-hmm. But then you also have this, this, this slightly, this shadow side rarely uh, more rarely glimpsed unless you really get to know you that is essentially that of a victorian dandy <laughs> well what if i told you that when i was going to these house parties with my bottle of absinthe i yeah. had my own absinthe spoon that i would use <laughs> to light sugar cubes with <laughs> oh my goodness yeah no yeah. i can always king edwards Mm-hmm. And I, I have told my wife that, like, in the coming weeks, now it's back in my brain, I'm probably going to take up smoking cigars. Oh, don't do it, man. No. I, I remember once we went to, well, we went out drinking in York, and there's a specialist tobacconist there. Mm-hmm. And I bought this cigar. No word of a lie. It was like a Pringles tube. Oh my god! And just walking down the road, just smoking this cigar, it was like as long as my arm. <laughs> Good grief! Yeah, I'll be honest. One of the, smoking is one of the things that has never appealed to me. No, nope, like, never smoked I, I, cigarettes. Always just no. one cigar. <laughs> I do. I do know that it's harder to get addicted to cigars, isn't it? Yeah, because they're absolutely yeah. disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't see myself doing that, but um, yeah. Oh, I'm delighted with that win. Yeah, absolutely yeah. delighted because I, I was I, so I was so teetering on the brink of going for the Scotch egg. I, I've managed to like disguise my shady past from my wife for so long, mm. but when I fi- it all came out, yeah, because like my my friends that I hang out with all the time with. Like, they were obviously part of my shady past. So mm-hmm. they don't discuss mine, I don't discuss theirs. But yeah. when it was someone just from nowhere, just like, hasn't really hung out with me in like 15 years, mm-hmm. was just like, oh, do you remember this? And I was just like, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. All righty then. Um, is it time, Matt? Is it time for us to discuss... Um, world enough and time. It is. I think I've pretty mm. much ticked everything off the list. Fantastic. Um, 
Let's do it then. Um, so before we get into your new ranking system, uh-huh. which I'm very excited to discover, um, I mean, I imagine we'll be able to rattle through it very quickly. I don't imagine there have been many responses from listeners right. about this episode. You know, it's not a particularly remarkable one. Right. David, ha- have you yeah. listened back to our recent episodes? <laughs> I haven't, to be honest. Right. I know we joked about it, but I have been editing in you saying, cool tweet, bro, what's next? Between each tweet. Ah, oh, amazing. Okay. Well done. And I, I put a message out on Twitter today just going, look, get used to hearing that because we've had more tweets about this than I think we've ever had. <laughs> okay? So I know I always uh, joke that you could, like, go have a bath. You, you could probably walk to my house and have a bath in the time it's going to take me to read these. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. All right. Okay. First message this week comes from Chris. We haven't heard from Chris in a while. I hope he's okay. Hope he's staying safe. Hello, Chris. Okay. And Chris says, my favourite ever episode, a complete masterpiece of television. Well, that's unequivocal. Pretty pretty strong praise there. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. And the good news about Chris's message is it came in before James Swift. James Swift oh. wasn't that swift this week. Oh, James. Okay. You've so, let us down. Sadly, James Swift was uh, the second swiftest today. Hmm. Still not bad. Silver medal. Okay. He says, What a wonderful amalgamation of all of Stephen Moffat's writing. We get some of his best work and some amazing sci-fi concepts. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We then have a message from Frank. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, Frank. And recently I've been like trolling Frank and just reading stupid messages out, but I fear that's giving him too much attention, so he just says it's one of the best episodes of Doctor Who. Let's move on. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We then have. I, can I say I'm I I am really hoping that we have someone with anything negative to say about this, or just um just out of curiosity, because obviously so far it's been wall to wall praise, and that's to be honest what I expected. So we'll see if that trend continues. Okay, next up, it's the original, the OG, Jamo Numero Uno, James Courtney, mm-hmm. who Hello, says. James. I keep forgetting to tell you to say hello. Well, I'm just going, going, just cracking on. I know. Well done. You're doing all right this week. Thank you. Okay. I, I mean, you've 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 trained me well at this point. Yeah, I'm going to throw a treat in the air, and you can catch it in your open mouth. <laughs> right, James says, and so it begins. Right from the off, we know the stakes for this one. The Doctor is going to regenerate. Mm. Everything is masterfully done in this episode. The CGI spaceship and the black hole are gorgeous. And then it goes straight into Missy being Doctor Who. Some last laughs to have. But very quickly, things go wrong, and they don't shy away from how brutal it is. Poor Bill. The bulk of this episode allows Moffat to channel all his recent experiences at a hospital into the grim lower floors. The proto-Cybermen are utterly creepy. And then he says, mm-hmm. pain, pain, pain. Okay, Mr. Razor is a brilliantly peculiar character, but oh, he just happens to be the... And I'm not going to spoil that all along. Mm-hmm. 
And then he says, I bet you didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't. And thankfully, I didn't get this tweet until I'd watched it. So well yep. done for not spoiling it. And then they leave us on that cliffhanger. Gosh, what a brilliant episode. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. We then have a message from Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, Jake. Who says, the opening Michelle Gomez performance is all I need. (laughs) Yeah. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Then we have a message from Amy. Say hello to Amy, David. Hello, Amy. Who says, I love it, I love it. Talk about a punch in the gut. Talk about the horror of being turned into a Cyberman and talk about a cliffhanger. It was funny seeing Missy being the Doctor. And then the quote Amy offers this week is just simply, I've waited for you. Mm. Brutal one, that. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We then have a message from Ariel. Now, I think Ariel's the person who said she started listening to our pod because of the message from Jessica Wummel. So we've come full circle. Amazing. Okay. So Ariel says, so good. The next two episodes are one of the best two series finales of the show. And the creepy vibe of the time dilation in this episode is so well done. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So nobody's had a bad word to say about it yet. No, no. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We then have Clover. Say hello to Clover, David. Hi, Clover. Who says, the best season finale, in my opinion, apart from the season four finale, but in my opinion, I leave that out because it's too OP. That that means overpowered, David. That's what the kids say. Right, yeah. Okay, okay. good to know. It's great to see that this episode is the build-up to the next part. I think the lengthy explanation of how the black hole affects time is great. He's put affects, he means affects, but it's okay. The fact that it tied with Bill living 10 years on the spaceship put the explanation in force and is done very effectively. I think the patients slowly being turned into Cybermen are extremely creepy. No spoilers, but the end, the reveals are shocking. Mm-hmm. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Right. If you want to go and put the kettle on, it's time for BT Flibbity Giggard. <laughs> I don't imagine they're holding back this week. No. I wish I knew BT Flibbity Giggard's real name. <laughs> right, so Flibbers. What if it turns out it's just me? What? What, he pulls his mask off and he goes, Oh, but David, you've been here all along. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just thinking, like, what? Uh, uh, if I just, you know, was secretly writing a, a sort of uninterrupted essay on every episode every week because I knew that I'm going to have to contend with you shooting it down when I'm actually on pod. Yeah. What, what if I said, Oh, David, I'm just going to leave. BT Flibbity Giggins here to talk to you. And you're just like, okay. And then you just hear him and he like goes, oh, but I do think you rather might. And, it, and you're just like, wait, it's me from the past. <laughs> okay, so the curator, BT Flippity Giggard, says, oh my God, this episode, this finale in general is my favourite finale of New Who bar none. And this episode is near perfect in its first part. When Moffat's fully engaged, he writes absolute bangers, and you can tell that he was firing on all cylinders for his last run of episodes. Add in some incredibly stylish and cinematic direction from Rachel Talalay and Murray Gold's best score since Heaven Sent, 
and you have an absolute gem of an episode. I don't even know where to start with this episode, quite frankly. The first bit after the opening credit uses its time perfectly, giving us all the information we need about the situation before the TARDIS crew even enters the scene. And then they show up, and Missy continues to steal every scene she's in. I love the entire setup of this. Missy set the task of showing how she's changed by acting as the Doctor. I love how she's clearly not taking it nearly as seriously as the Doctor at first, but when the gravity of the situation becomes evident, she flips a switch and shows how, beneath all the evil banter, she does have the capacity to step up to the plate and have a certain type of heroism. I love the way the Doctor is used in this scene as well. It reminds me a lot of Midnight, where he tries to use his usual bag of tricks and they don't work, instantly ramping up the tension and establishing the stakes. Bill getting shot just as you think the Doctor's going to pull off his speech is a punch in the gut, no pun intended, and then we're off into a flashback. The flashback does so many things that are just amazing. It does more to sell the Doctor and the Master's past friendship than anything since 3 and Delgado. And Capaldi's acting makes my heart ache. You can really feel how important their friendship was to the Doctor in his early years and how tragic and broken that friendship has become. We also get a reference back into... Sorry, back to Into the Dalek with the idea that being able to understand the wonder of the universe might be able to change even the darkest and most evil perspective. The Master slash Missy is so caught up in their own destruction that they can't see the wonder and the beauty that the Doctor is always showing his companions. And you want to believe in the Doctor's hope, even though it seems so unlikely. I also love the way the episode plays with how a species that changes bodies all the time would even conceptualise gender. It's appropriately alien, and so important when the Doctor's going to regenerate into a woman soon. Mm -hmm. The hospital scene's a classic sci-fi horror, and the setup reminds me a bit of the... A bit of the end of The Empty Child, Moffat's first episode. The world on the bottom floor is reminiscent of so many dystopias, and like the best dystopias, you can see how the people there would choose... Uh, there would choose this setup. Uh, I don't know, the tweet's gone a bit funny, a bit out of sync there. Mm. So, the Doctor doesn't waste time at all. He races through his explanations. He resorts to Venusian Aikido far before he usually would, but due to the way time is moving and the machinations of Mr. Razor, he leaves Bill waiting for too long. Like all good tragedies, it echoes that famous Picard quote, it is possible to commit no mistake and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. Still like five tweets of this to go, David. Bloody hell. <laughs> Mondasian Cybermen. Oh my God, I love the design of the Mondasian Cybermen. It's been updated ever so slightly since the first appearance of the Cybermen in the 10th planet. Mostly taking away that weird little fan over their groins, but this has to be up there with my fave Cyberman designs. They're so much creepier than the usual metal lugs because you can tell they were people once, and that makes the loss of humanity from conversion more horrifying. The ending of this episode is just ridiculously good. The slow horror as both the Doctor and Missy put the pieces together, the way the audience is carefully kept just one half step ahead of them to build the tension, the way that Missy turns from genuinely determined to help the horror sorry, to help to horrified to standing beside her previous self. Mm -hmm. More on the Master and Missy 
dynamic next episode, but the way they're set up and contrasted is just perfect. Imagine being confronted by your previous self whilst trying to overcome your past and all the wrong you've done. It's just a brilliant premise. I've already babbled on for way too long, but as you can tell, I adore this episode. Can't wait to hear your thoughts and to talk to you about the last few episodes of Capaldi's Run. Excellent. Yeah. Um, How was your nap, David? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, Beatty's rarely not bang on the money. So, um, yeah, I don't mind listening to his thoughts at all. Right, well, here's someone whose opinion always counts, David. I've saved the best till last. Of course you have. Any guesses? It's got to be Marty, right? Hit the music, it's Marty McLean. Marty, Marty, Marty. Marty, 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 Marty. I edited in some Martin McLean theme music last time as well, David. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to listening to your edits at some point when I get the chance. Martin McLean says, World Enough and Time is my favourite penultimate episode ever, and thus mm. my thoughts will be a fanish dog's brekkie. I don't know what that means. Is that an Australian thing? Dog's breakfast? You never heard? I've heard dog's dinner. Never heard dog's breakfast? No. Oh. Dogs dinner uh, just they're means pretty much the interchangeable. All oh, right. What about dogs lunch? No, nah, dogs don't have lunch. What would you say has been your dog's meal of the week? <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's it? Um, he had pretty much a whole uh, like plastic tray of pre-cooked chicken from the supermarket. Nice. The other day. So. Um, Yeah, probably that. Right, back to Marty. He says, As great as Delgado is, Gomez is my favourite version of The Master. I must watch your opening scene at least once a month. If somebody kills you and it's not me, we'll both be disappointed. The Cybermen are my favourite big monster, who are often relegated to bland, stomping cyborgs in an uninspired story. Even if the Mondasian Cybermen... Stomp around in this episode, which some purists would hate. At least they're not flying. Mm-hmm. A half-converted Bill meeting her fate as she wanders the hospital is truly one of the most grim and horrifying scenes Doctor Who has put to screen. Luckily, I never saw the aforementioned trailer, so as soon as Mr. Razor began asking Missy if she still liked disguises, my mind was racing at a million kilometres per hour. Now, that is an Australian thing, isn't it? He means miles yes. per hour. Okay? He does. Think, well, I mean, who are we to question, Marty? Okay? <laughs> so he was thinking, is it? Is it? No way. And then he puts F off. My whole street heard me scream and cheer when he pulled off that mask with a when you happen to be someone's former Prime Minister. <laughs> As if an already perfect episode couldn't get any better. I love the cheeky wink to the audience Moffat gives when the Master says the plan is not really an exodus, but rather a genesis. Mm-hmm. Sorry if these thoughts are just random chunder, but I truly love everything about this story and find it hard to be eloquent. And then he's put a little smiley emoji. Oh, fantastic. 
So there you go, Matt. Um, if you're in any doubt, the fandom at large has a tendency to be quite fond of this story. What, what about you? I am completely in line with everyone who's written in. Um, it's... What can you say? It, 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 it's uh, as close to a masterpiece as we've had all series. Do you think it's better um, than Midnight? That's an interesting question. I've never sort of compared the two in my head. Uh, probably, yeah. I'd, I, if, you, if, if I had to just pick one, um, then yeah, I'd pick this over Midnight. Right. So, I've teased David that I'm going to update our rating scale. Okay. Go on then, give us the options. With this being a popular episode, this might be some Mm. people's first time listening. Yes. Well done if you've listened for an hour whilst I talk about smoking cigars. (laughs) Okay. So, our rating scale is good episode. Yeah. Bad episode. Mm -hmm. Good episode with bad bits. Yeah. Good episode. No, good episode with bad bits, bad episode with good bits. Yeah. Then we have no emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. Then we have meh. Yes. Then we have I enjoyed this episode, but I don't really know why. We don't we don't bust that one out too often, but it no. does happen on occasion. Okay, but we're going to create a new one today. Another category, okay. Okay. So this episode, I'm going to give a new rating, which is... Everyone just calm down, okay? This episode is good, but I don't think it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? I, we're, not in, we're not in good episodes, some... In fact, I might go good episodes, some great bits. Yes. But, I don't know, I might even go meh, some great bits. Basically, the last five minutes are, like, absolutely spot on. Yeah. But... It goes around the houses to get there, doesn't it? Is this going to be a bit of an Emperor's New Clothes situation for you? Like, everyone's to- everyone's raving about how wonderful it is and you don't quite see it. No, like, I can appreciate it. I do. I did enjoy this episode. I didn't mm. think it was, like, terrible. Uh, you know, I th- I, I'm happy to say this is a good episode. Yeah. When I was reading those tweets and everyone's going, best episode ever. Mm, is it, though? Well, let's go through it, and maybe I can I can persuade you. Maybe okay. I can sort of help you to zero in on on the bits that that um, that we fans love so much about this one. Mm-hmm. Right. So, world enough and time. This yeah. is episode eleven of season ten. Can I just yes, check indeed. how many episodes are in season ten? Is next week the finale? Is the finale? Yeah. Okay. So, this is written by Stephen Moffat, mm-hmm. directed by the always excellent Rachel Talalay. Yeah. From the 24th of June, 2017. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, the episode opens. We're on an icy planet. Yes. The TARDIS lands, mm-hmm. and the Doctor falls through the door. With regeneration energy pouring out his hands. Yeah. Now, not knowing where this episode ultimately ends up, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is just a tease. It's going to like go, oh, I'm regenerating, but he'll have like cut his hand on the cheese grater <laughs> or something. You know? 
Yeah, I but mean, yeah. we've already had one fake-out regeneration this so far this series. But it was only when I'd, like, watched the whole episode mm-hmm. and then, like, looked back on my notes today, because I watched it a few days ago. Yeah. I was like, shit in hell, he's, he's probably going to regenerate here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, and when you got to bear in mind, when this went out, fans already knew who who the... the um, um, not predecessor, what's successor. Mm. Uh, fans already knew who the successor was going to be. You know, that that announcement had already been made. Yeah. So well, we knew it was in the offing. Early, earlier in the week, David, mm-hmm. you might have heard a loud scream uh, emanating right. from my house. Yes. And it was basically like, we're so close to being on a current doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't discussed this, have we? Because this will be this will be old, old news by the time yeah. this comes out. I was but, like, yeah. we're literally like two, three weeks away from being on the current doctor. <laughs> nope. As soon as we catch up, just like smell you later. Cheers, well, Whitaker. Ha- having said that, are are you aware of the full plans for um, the remainder of Whitaker's run? Uh, I know that there's a series, then she's doing like a year of specials, a bit like Tennant did. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I, I'm not sure exactly how it will shake out because I don't know the air date of the second special, but basically we will have caught up probably... Uh, um, we, we'll have caught up with Whitaker's era certainly... B- Certainly by the time we get to the third special, maybe by the second special. Mm-hmm. So it could be that her regeneration story is the first one that we're actually able to podcast about sort of close to the air date. That'll, I hope <laughs> the listeners are ready for us like releasing two episodes a week just so we make sure that definitely happens. <laughs> We'll just have to see, won't we? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So, but yeah. So, right up at the top of the episode, just oh, hey guys, just in case you were wondering, Peter Capaldi's going to regenerate. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Moffat. But then time's not linear. That yeah. could be him in the future, but then he gets back in the TARDIS for twenty-five years. Who knows? Mm. Big finish will make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway, um, right, let's let's do this. So, yeah, it's going big from the opening, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Right, so, we then, after the credits, see a giant spaceship, so big that it has different biomes in it. Yes. Okay, I think we see, like, a forest, then, like, some plains, and... But the Lovely problem... opening pan on that, on, on that spaceship, isn't it? I know. I was a little bit sad there wasn't a man on the outside painting it like Red Dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the problem with this giant spaceship is it's been sucked into a black hole. Yes. So, it kind of lays that all out at the beginning, but then it does later explain it, just in case you didn't catch up. And do you know what? Another way in which this episode is quite special. Yes. I think it might be the first one. Where I agree with all the science. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, yeah. You know, it's the first one where it's not just like, oh yeah, if you if you get close to the sun, it actually gets colder. Like, 
No, this is real science. It all checked out with me, really. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff. It's and I, it's, it's it's rare that that um, Doctor Who does something that you would call hard science fiction. No, but I I thought about it this week because I was talking to the guys from the Cloister Bell podcast. Yeah. Because one of their upcoming episodes is going to cover Girl in the Fireplace. Right. One of my favourites. Excellent episode. But I think I even said when we watched that, I've got a bit of a thing for time dilation. I think it's a really interesting idea. And it's done pretty well here. Yeah. Fantastically well, I think. Um, I totally forgot as well. We'll get into that. When we were doing Meal of the Week, I've even written it on my notes. The guys from the Cloister Bell asked whether we had, like, an eating routine when we watch an episode. Not a routine as such, no. Um, See, I, usually, I, I, I do I, usually like to make myself a cup of tea, but then again, I, I it I basically like to accompany almost every activity I do with a cup of tea. So. See, mine's cup of tea halfway through. Halfway I, through? Ah, I, you stop and have a breather, do you? I get to about 22 minutes, mm-hmm. and that's where I'll have made my mind up whether I'm going to watch it all in one go or I need a break. And if I'm so, continuing, that's when I'll make a cup of tea. Right. Because if I make a cup of tea at the beginning, I'll be distracted and won't watch it. Right. I'm but I also always watch on my laptop. Yeah. So I can pause it when I'm making notes. Subtitles on, headphones in. Usually laid on my living room floor just because it's comfy. Oh, the dedication you have yeah. to this podcast. It's admirable, man. Yeah. Well, when you've got such great listeners as Jessica Wummel, you've got to do your bit, David. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, alrighty, so um, where, we, where are we up to? We're we up to... started. <laughs> we're up to the TARDIS landing. Yeah, great. Okay, it lands on the bridge and we get Missy. We do. Who says... Or, or is it Doctor Who? Well, what I like about that is in the show, Missy's like the ultimate troll. Yes. So she knows that she's winding up the fandom with that. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I loved it. Just... It's glorious, isn't it? The whole, the whole, the whole scene, start to finish, Yeah, is just, you're like, Michelle Gomez is just having the time of her life. Mate, I loved it when she went, oh, I've got my two friends here, exposition and comic relief. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just so good. Yeah. I must confess, I'm slightly worried we're going to see the end of Missy. Mm. Wow. Mm. I'm, so, I'm saying nothing. Yeah. Anyway, as they land, there's an alarm sounding. We there see is. that the Doctor is guiding them. And they are contacted by the ship's crew. Mm-hmm. And at this point in my notes, I've written, Missy is the absolute best thing about this show. <laughs> and then... I've written, oh no, she dabs. <laughs> yeah, um, the dab, yeah. Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind, it was it was probably filmed about a year before it was broadcast. Yeah. I'll tell you what, working in a school in 2017 mm. was awful. Every <laughs> Everyone was dabbing, everyone had fidget spinners, and everyone was doing bottle flips. <laughs> You know, the only thing worse than that was the bloody ice bucket challenge. 
Oh, man. It was a weird time, wasn't it? The end of the last decade. God, young people are so stupid. I bet they all smoke cigars before they go to bed. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, uh, e- even with the dab, the dab cannot take away from, from the glory... Uh, glor- excuse me. The gloriousness of, uh, of that performance, I don't think. I, I love, especially when she gets arsy with, with the Doctor because he's eaten crisps. Yeah. Whilst um, directing her. Yeah. So, so good. Nadal realises that they're being watched. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the crewman that has contacted them arrives. He's angry. He's distressed. And he says, they and are coming. <laughs> Say again. And he's blue. He's very blue. Yeah. I like that little joke because he's on like a black and white TV. And mm-hmm. then he's very blue. Right. Now, the lifts begin to approach. Yes. And the Doctor realises there's an element of peril. He comes Mm -hmm. on board the ship. He leaves the TARDIS. Because whatever is coming is coming for Bill. Yes. She's the only human aboard. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Doctor begins to give one of his speeches. He gives a big spiel about, you know how he can make sure everyone's safe. Mm -hmm. And as he does, the crewman just shoots a big Looney Tunes hole all the way through Bill. It's brutal, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely brutal. Because it's like... we, we, We need that as fans of Doctor Who. We need to see the Doctor fail sometimes. Yeah, well, I, I, I mentioned last week when we recorded a piece for the Who Can Convince You podcast. Oh, yes, yeah. That I thought this series was becoming not necessarily stale, but every episode ends with the Doctor sorting everything out. Then Bill looks at him and goes, oh, that was your plan all along, wasn't it? And mm. then they kind of smile and leave. Mm. So... I don't know if they were doing that just so this was such a big misdirect, but yeah, bloody I, hell. I don't think so, but that's just that, like, that's, that is kind of, it's Doctor Who by numbers is the Doctor Swan's in, uh, uses, uses clever words and clever schemes to sort everything out without having to resort to violence. Mm. That's the, you know, the archetypal Doctor Who story. Um, but in order for, for for his successes to mean anything, there have to be times when he fails. But having said that, it's done in such an effectively brutal, shocking way here. Yeah. Um, I I do feel we need to kind of pause for one moment because the one thing, the one, I don't want to say corner fan or anything, but like th- there are there are those within the fandom that quite rightly have pointed out a slightly problematic element to this story um, in that, you know, it's once again presenting um, a black character, you know, the only major black character on the show at this point, um, you know, within this era, I mean, being, uh, you know, brutally shot with a gun by an authority figure. Um, 
and particularly for American viewers, you know, this is, you know, this is the period where, where things like Black Lives Matter movement is really, really starting to take off and 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 get proper mainstream coverage and stuff. Um, th- that it was it was tough. It was tough for them to watch, and uh, it, especially because it's not being presented in a way that is kind of looking at that scene through that lens. You know, Moffat is writing in his oblivious white middle-aged man ivory tower, mm. <laughs> not really thinking about how that's going to cro- come across to a black American viewer, for example, where, you know, the threat of gun violence from um, authority figures is, is, is sadly a very real thing. Um, so did, did they face a bit of backlash for this? Yes, yeah, okay. it's it, it 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 has a degree of controversy as an episode because of that. Um and totally legitimately I I in my again uh white British privileged way can look past that and really still, you know, in, enjoy what Moffat is attempting to do with this story and think you know and I don't what what I don't think it does. It, you can't say it's not making light of Bill's death at all. No, no it's no, not no. making light of the of the injury and and and, and the trauma of that. Um, it's just but, perhaps a little tone deaf. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's all it is. And, and, but also, I do think there is a, as an animal we got to, you've got to say as well. It is a British show. And while obviously there is a Black Lives Matter movement in the UK, and I'm not for a moment suggesting there is an institutional racism alive and well in the UK. There absolutely is. Um, but it is different to how it is in America. Uh-huh. You don't just have every Bobby on the beat, you know, you know, wielding a gun. And so... The particular sensitivities around gun violence are different in the UK than they are in America, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, that, that's kind of... I feel like, we, you know, we don't need to say any more about it than that. But but I, I did kind of want to, to note that, especially as it wasn't something that had been brought up with any of the, the, the responses, which were, were understandably very effusive in their praise for, the, for this episode. Um, and I and I do echo that, but yeah, okay, right. So mo- moving on from that, this is where we get to the to the in- extra cruel twist of the knife that is the flashback. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think one thing I want to point out from the flashback. Yeah, is what a mess Bill makes in that kitchen. <laughs> She's making chips and potato is flying everywhere. <laughs> and it really annoyed me because there was a few bits that land on the table. She skips them up, puts them in the bowl. But then there were just some bits she didn't. <laughs> but She's being paid minimum wage. What do you want from her? Yeah, but she's not doing this on the clock, surely. It's like the middle of the night. Uh, I, yeah, that's true, actually. I think she's just doing it for, for, for her and uh, the Doctor, isn't she? But, also, you know. like... I, I do think it's weird, this series, that they seem to think British universities are just Hogwarts and you can just walk around whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, shrug. I think when I was I, in... 
I think when I was I at uni, like there was a 24-hour computer lab because not everyone had computers. Mm-hmm. And maybe the library? Yeah. That was it. Well, she's staffed though, isn't she? She might have a key. Yeah, but imagine if, like, imagine if you were at work. Yeah. And, and you came in first thing in the morning and one of your colleagues was there. And you were <laughs> like, oh, have you locked yourself in? And she was just like, oh, yeah, I was just here making some chips with a mate. Yeah, point taken. But anyway, and then you could I, say, I "Does that know. mate work here?" And you go, "Yeah, but he brought his friend, who's always here, but I'm certain he's not on the payroll." <laughs> anyway, um... right. So, in the flashback, the doctor explains to Bill that he wants to test Missy. Mm-hmm. Says ultimately, he wants to help Missy because she's like him, you know. Yeah. And it ties back a little bit to that: "Am I a good man?" from a series or two ago, isn't it? He does. He wants and... to prove people like him are good to establish that he is good himself. Yeah. And it also comes back to that, uh, the, the Series 8 finale, when Missy, in her incredibly wrong-headed way, is trying to win the friendship of the Doctor back. Mm. It's something they both want, but just on different ends of the spectrum. You know. See, speaking of the master, I, I think we've overlooked it, but today is the anniversary of the Demons airing. Is it? Yeah, I saw today that some people were putting on Twitter that they were all meeting up in the village where it was filmed. Ah, oh, fantastic, yeah. It's quite a quite a regular um, pilgrimage for, for some people, I think. Mm. Th- there is so much affection for that story. If, if we went... And I said that I saw Bok, the demon. Would you believe me? <laughs> I'd believe that you saw someone cosplaying as Bok. No, but, like, if I genuinely thought I'd seen a demon. <laughs> like, what would I have to do to convince you I'd really seen a demon? A heck of a lot, Matt. A heck of a lot. I'll leave it at that. Um, what I'm thinking, though, is, like, what must it be like to live in that village? Yeah. Just, just like, be an oh, ordinary right. person who doesn't like Doctor Who, and just every so every so often, or just on, on a random Tuesday, you might look out of your window and see some prat in a massive scarf. Yeah, just some idiot walking around going <laughs> five rounds rapid. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Go home. Yeah. Uh, they're harmless though. Do you know what? It, if I die and I end up going down instead of up. That would be my hell. (laughs) Living in a beautiful village and every day I'd get up, draw the curtains, I'd be like, oh, life is sweet. And then there's just someone out there cosplaying in my garden. I have to shoo them away. (laughs) You just just go popping down to get your your bottle of milk that's been delivered. There's just a couple of Osgoods on the patio. Well, Osgood wasn't in that episode. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. All right, it's Doctor Who fans. That would annoy me even more because it's not in keeping with the canon. <laughs> <laughs> like, at least be dressed as Pertwee. Yeah, just like, oh, I'm here to celebrate the demons. I look up, it's just Matt Smith. I'm like, oh, <laughs> stop getting Who wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um. We'd, we'd best crack on. Right, so the Doctor tells Bill about his history with the Master. 
they had a pact that they were going to see every star in the universe together. Okay, except yes. when they eventually did start seeing them, they went about it in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And Bill admits that she's scared of Missy. Yeah. And I think what she's kind of hinting at is she's scared that if Missy can fall so far, surely the Doctor can, if they're so similar. That's interesting. I hadn't read it that way. You might be onto something. That's what I've thought. Like, she's Mm. not necessarily scared of Missy, but she's scared of what Missy means in terms of what the Doctor may become. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. And then she asks the Doctor to promise she won't get killed. And kind of jokingly, but at the same time quite seriously, he says, that's a promise I can't make. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just says it in such an offhand way and like Bill sort of like chuckles and is like, oh, well, thanks. Um, and then, you know, hard smash cut back to, you know, perhaps not even 24 hours later mm. for her. Um, right, yeah. so the lift opens mm-hmm. and some kind of weird patients fall out. Yeah. And they've got robot voices and say, yeah. oh, we will repair her. And again, really foolishly, I was like, oh, they're a bit like Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, when did you twig? But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of... No, like, I'll, I'll... I was like, if if they're so similar, why don't they just use the Cybermen? <laughs> this is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So they say they'll repair her, but not return her. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Doctor deduces that the ship is brand new and should have nobody on it. Okay? Yes. Because it's not a colonising ship. It's on its way to pick people up so they can go colonise elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But somehow, it's got thousands of life forms aboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the crewman says that his team went to reverse the engines and ultimately disappeared. And once they've disappeared, all these countless life forms then turned up on the scanners. Okay. So Bill then wakes up downstairs. There's a medical doctor who begins talking to her. And then this is the first time we're introduced to Mr. Razor. Excuse me. Um, Yeah. Um, Immediately, just this very larger than life character see now i i didn't warm to mr razor at all i i could see how some people would but Mm. then i think it's so brilliant that i didn't yeah because i was just like oh he is a character i just don't want to see any more of and then right at the end i was like yeah show me more please (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i and I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll, get, so what, we'll get to the big reveal. We will. But... Uh, okay. So, so what I will say, going into this episode, a lot of... Uh, so it had been spoiled for some people that John Sim was going to be reprising his role in this series. Uh, and so that had been sort of spoiled for me. I had that in the back of my head. Um, but I never watched Next Time trailers. And 
I sort of knew that before the series started. So that was several weeks prior. So it was kind of very deep down in the back of my head by the time we got to this episode. And genuinely, when Mr. Razor first appeared, I I just didn't for a second yeah. think it was him. I just thought he was like bloody Chantho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a hark back. Just like yeah. a character that doesn't really matter. Just a slightly weird side character. Yeah. Yeah. Every episode's got one. I just yeah. thought, oh, that's him for this week. Yeah, well done sure. to that actor. Probably his only Wikipedia credit. But <laughs> how wrong I was. Yes. Right. So, Bill now has a robot chest. She does. So, so the hole has been sealed up with mm-hmm. cybernetics. Did you twig yet? No. No? Okay, carry yeah. on. I just thought, oh, she might be a bit like Nardole from now on. <laughs> yep, sure. Okay. And we hear a voice repeat it, the word pain. Pain. Oh, but this. For, for every time, because this was one where I thought, oh, that's very much like the Cybermen. But yeah. I even went, you know, that's like the old Cybermen, so it must be some, <laughs> You know, like... Yeah. I, I'm not clever enough to think, oh, there's a reason David showed me this. I just thought you were showing me a regeneration story. <laughs> but always thinking. Always yeah. thinking. Yes, indeedy. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there's, uh, this scene. Uh, for, for, for a start, can we talk about the, the decor of the, the sort of the hospital? Well, there isn't any. It's so dark and grim and dingy. But it is like a 1950s, like early NHS. Yeah, it's like the one Um, Pertwee's in in Spirit from Space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or or like if you've ever seen any of the medical carry-on films or, you know, that kind of thing. And there is just an inherent grimness to those, you know, the wood panelling and the stark um, signage and, and you know, yeah, oh, it's so effective. And Rachel Talalay's direction yeah. is flawless. She's good at what scene. she does, isn't she? So good. So good. And, you know, she doesn't storyboard. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is a thing that I, I find absolutely astonishing. Like she, she just goes with of... the flow, just goes where the mood takes her. Yeah, to an extent. Like, she does a lot of prep work. She has a, a vision in her head, but she doesn't, like, have it all sketched out shot by shot. She just kind of, yeah, just kind of is able to 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 kind of be like, okay, right, so we're going to do this now. I want this, this, this. And she's maybe thinking a few shots ahead, but, yeah. Um, she's an incredible talent. Why the hell... Like, Marvel haven't come knocking yet. I just don't know. I can't remember. I'm certain we've checked before what she's yeah. up to. Um, she's done a lot. She's done some of the DC um, TV shows, like the uh, Legends of Tomorrow and okay. maybe some Supergirl stuff like that. But she she should be she should be directing an an MCU movie. You know, I think she's that level of talent. And I don't know why she hasn't been picked up. Well, who but knows? Any, yeah. Right. This 
is where we first get a clue about time dilation. Yes. Because we see a countdown clock. And it shows that on the bridge, on the upper floors, very little time has passed. But down here, I think there's maybe been a few hours or a day or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of blink and you miss it. Yes. But I, I was quite on the ball. I was glad I spotted that. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. We also have a conversion theatre. Yes. We now do. this is where my Cybermen sense started tingling. Yes. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, because I can't remember. I'm certain when we've seen Cybermen stories, mm-hmm. we just kind of see people walk in a room and then a bit later they come out and they're a Cybermen. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a full conversion. And plus, There's that one very hokey CGI shot um, of like a load of like circular saw blades and things like that. That's from uh, I think it might be Age of Steel, mm. the series two. The I think you're right. Cybermen, but but yeah, no. I mean, Doctor Who's not the kind of show that's going to ever show anything like that in graphic detail. No, no. But on that note. I think this is the first good Cyberman story I've seen. It's certainly the best that we've seen. Mm. I I will absolutely agree with that. I think there have been other good ones. I I will defend Dark Water and Death and he- Death in Heaven as a good Cyberman story. Um, oh yeah, that was that was that, okay. That's this that's is definitely better. Dion, um, yeah. What what I mean is is specifically it's a good story, but also it uses the Cybermen well. Yes, what I tended to find is. With modern stories featuring the Cyberman, New Who stories, they can sometimes be good stories, but the Cybermen aren't necessarily brilliantly used within them. That's it, because it's always like, oh, it must be terrible to be a Cyberman. I'm like, what, a giant eight-foot robot that can rocket into space? Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, it, it kind of, it all depends how interested the writer is in actually tackling the existential questions raised by Cybermen. Um, you know, this is the reason... It's stories like this one that is the reason why they are my favourite classic Who monster. Um, why they ha- why they have the edge on the likes of the Daleks and the Sontarans and stuff. Is, is but, there a classic Cyberman story that's better than this? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. And don't say the tenth planet because I've seen that. <laughs> you know, I don't think there is. There are some good ones. The invasion, I love, but actually, that's one that is more in the realm of uses the Cybermen as a convenient villain. Doesn't necessarily tackle with the the questions raised by in enough detail i don't think it, it does it a bit but not it's not the focus i mean it's an eight part and i think the cybermen don't actually feature until episode four if okay. says. but yeah it's a good one though the invasion right so this is where we see there is a voice that simply repeats the word pain oh yeah over and over and over and this is the bit where i thought Oh, God. Because Mm. although it's a patient pushing the button 
to say the word pain because these patients are in eternal pain. Yeah. It's where the nurse turns up and just like, oh, I can fix this, don't worry, I'll sort it out. She just turns yeah. the speaker off. Yeah, because the, like, there's that moment where you think she's like just giving him like some sort of like dose of anaesthetic or mm. pain relief or something. Um, but yeah, then when Bill goes over and and yeah, realizes she's literally just turned the the volume down. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Mm. It as as an idea that is brilliant as you know the subtext that you can that you can tease out of that, um, but also just. Pearl Mackey's performance in that scene, her facial expressions. Yeah. Oh. I feel we say it every week, but she's bloody good, isn't she? She's so good. She's so good. Yeah. Right. So, as we've said, the nurse appears and Mr. Razor's with her. Yeah. And Bill hides to evade being caught and mm. she's helped by Mr. Razor yeah. to stop her from being caught. Yeah, he sort of, he, he, he spots her and like, Sort of tells her to, to, to hang back and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when Bill looks out the window, mm-hmm. she sees that there is a full city. Yeah. On board this, uh, on board this space station. Yeah. Okay. And it's a proper like smog-filled. Yeah. End grim. of the world. Yeah. Things aren't going very well, and as she's looking out, one of the patients. Approaches mm-hmm. from behind. Yeah. But again, she's saved by Mr. Razor. Mm-hmm. Okay. He claims that they're helping the patients. Mm-hmm. And we get a funny little scene about tea. You you are not doing that justice, Matt. I, I will go on record here. I think the whole dialogue exchange around the tea is the funniest dialogue that Moffat has ever written for Doctor Who. Do you think? Genuinely, it just... I I can't tell you why, it just... It makes me laugh so much every time. The whole... um, Especially... uh, Good, positive attitude. It will help with the horror to come. (laughs) What horror? Mostly the tea. It's it's just... Yeah. It's proper old-school, witty dialogue. I love it. Um... And and again, with John Smith, uh, John Sim playing this, playing Mr. Razor, as it's it's just teetering on the brink of Panto, his performance, mm. which is exactly what you want when, especially with the context of what we know by the so end of the episode. What, what I find like weird with Mr. Razor and Sim's incarnation of the Master is yeah. John Sim. Everything else I've seen him in is a very serious, like, thespian actor. Yeah. But he must just be having a whale of a time here, just being out and out silly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he does, you know. It's it, it's nice for him because, it, yeah, it is sort of going against type in some ways. Like, um, the main other thing I really know him from is life on Mars and, mm. like, he plays that so straight, but like magnificently. He plays the angst and stuff of it very well, but but like there's none of that manic edge mm. that he brings to the master. Right. Yeah. So we find out they're at the bottom of the ship. 
and she's been here weeks, if not months. Yes. This is where we get the explanation of time dilation. Yeah, and I think it's really nicely put together where you get, you know, you get snatches of Mr. Razor and Bill intercut with the Doctor explaining it. And, you you know, you've got the screen where they're watching him explaining it and, you know, weeks and months are going by for Bill all while the Doctor is still in the process of this one explanation. Mm. Um, I, I And I think by having the screen and like actually seeing it play out that, you know, it's a very clever way of completely hammering it at home. So even the, the most slow on the uptake member, you know, person watching will get the, the concept because it is a, a trippy concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder if the doctor knew that's what's happening. Why didn't he just shut up? <laughs> why didn't he just like go, right, I know what's happening. Follow me now. No questions. I'll explain um, on the way. I think I, you can headcanon that in a couple of ways. For one, he needs to make sure that Missy and Nardole are on the same page as well. Um, he may not have done the mental arithmetic to, to realise quite the scale that it's literally going to be like years by the time they get to the bottom of the ship. He might be thinking it's hours or weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, he said that there was that message it, 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 that occasionally, you know, when Bill's going through her various dramatic things in the operating theatre and stuff like that, where you, he kind of implanted that subconscious message for Bill, wait for me. Yeah. So, like, he knew that it was going to take a while, but maybe not quite that long. I don't know. Um, but certainly, you know, he's trying to do the quickest version he can. You know, it, culminating in, in the old uh, Venus and Aikido, but we'll, we'll get there. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, at this point, the matron from earlier appears and says Bill's yeah. heart will stop if she steps outside the hospital. Yes. Okay. Bit of a design flaw. Mm. So, Bill again opens the window to the city just to try mm-hmm. and see what's going on, which causes the patients to awaken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let me just turn the page in my notes. So, we find out that the thousands of life forms on board are descendants of the crewman's team, the ones that went down to swap around the engines so they would power away from the black hole. Okay. Yes. But because they went down there to turn the engines around for five minutes, okay, that's been years and generations at the bottom of the uh, ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mr. Ray... Sorry, Mr. Razor says that the the patients are the future and mm-hmm. will halt people dying. And that, for me, was a big hint at where we're going with this. Yeah, so had the penny fully dropped, we'd be like, oh, right, this is a Cyberman story. We'd be like, maybe? It, yeah, it was yeah. one where it was like, I'm pretty certain that's where we're going. I'm just not certain how we get from A to B yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I've seen these patients and they're not... Cybermen, they're very, very no. similar. Yeah, but they're not clanking around in big metal suits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
Mr. Razor takes Bill into the city where everyone mm-hmm. is dying. Mm-hmm. They have Operation Exodus. Yes. Where they plan to rise up from the lower levels, take charge of the ship, and regain their health. Yes. Because they're the reason they're all ill is they're kind of in like slum conditions, aren't they? Yeah. They're they're the second class citizens on the ship. Yeah. Okay. Whilst in the city, taking in all this information, Bill's heart begins to fail, so she needs to return to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And whilst there, on the screen, she sees that the Doctor and his team have begun to move towards her. They're coming to rescue her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is where Bill and Razor break into the operating theatre... And the patients more overtly resemble Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I was like, all the way through, I was like, these look like the old Cybermen. Yes. Like, when are they going to get their beautiful silver helmets? <laughs> okay. Uh, because it's conversion time. Uh, yeah. Bill was lured there and betrayed by Mr. Razor. Uh, we see the Doctor say, don't worry, we've got this great new edition that's going to sort you right out, and it's the Handles that yeah. Handles has. Yeah. The classic Cybermen head unit. Yes. Okay. And the Doctor says, uh, not the, the Doctor, but uh, the the conversion Doctor, uh, says something like, um, well, this won't stop you feeling pain, but it'll stop you caring about it. Yeah. Like... Oh man. Okay. Well, there we go. And that's that's it. That's your kind of, you know, no ambiguity. We're doing the Cybermen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I was hoping they'd just give us some wireless headphones, like what happened to uh, Billy Piper's dad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> God. Different times. Different times. <laughs> Right, so... At least it wasn't fidget spinners, eh? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Big anyway. Finish will do that. <laughs> they probably already have. There's probably a th- like a, a, a three box sets out. Yeah. Paternoster Gang versus the fidget spinners. <laughs> so, the Doctor's team is now split up. He and Nardole are going to the operating room to rescue Bill... And Missy is remaining in charge of the ship, making sure it doesn't fall into the black hole. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mr. Razor now approaches Missy and says, Oh, I've looked forward to meeting you. And I was, yeah. again, at this point, the penny hadn't dropped. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so. And likewise for me, like this, despite knowing. John Sim had to appear at some point in this series. Yeah, I just thought he was going to rock up at the end and be like, ding dong, hello. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, Missy finds out that the ship isn't from Earth. Mm. It's from Earth's twin. And that was where I thought, bloody hell, I know what that is. It's flipping Mondas. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. But at the same time, I was so angry with you and your sneaky ways, teach, <laughs> teaching me about Mondas like months in advance. Yeah, you know, I had my reasons. Yeah, I had well my played, reasons. Sir. Right. Well played. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Razor 
explains to Missy that she's been here before. Yes. And again, I was like, well, if she's been here before, that's probably the master. That's not... What? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, the Doctor, when trying to rescue Bill, faces a Cyberman, and he openly says, it's a Cyberman. I'm on Dacian Cyberman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I felt so clever because I knew what they were. Okay. Mr. Yeah. Razor continues to talk Missy and she's half trying to ignore him because he's inferior to her but half really annoyed and just wants to murder him. Mm-hmm. Until he explains that Mr. Razor is Missy because mm-hmm. he whips his little face off and it's the master. <laughs> and I just thought, bravo, sir. Well played. Yeah, it's glorious. Everyone involved and in this should be proud of themselves. Well absolutely. done. Absolutely. And it, on, honestly, it really is. Uh, it, for me, it was about 10 seconds before the mask came off that the penny finally dropped with me. And, it, and, I, 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 and it, that's ridiculous, given what I knew going into this series. But there you go. That's the truth of it. Um, and it stuck in the core with me even more because I then... Afterwards, um, turned to my partner who who'd watched it, and and it is she watches Doctor Who with me when new episodes are out, but she's a much more casual fan. She's not interested in classic Who, and she's not interested in rewatching it or you know analyzing it to the detail that I do at all. But I I said to her, "Did you see that coming?" Think being like, "Aha, yeah, I knew this was going to happen," and she was like, "Yeah, it was obvious straight away that it was John Sim." I'm just like, "Really?" Is it? But um, to be fair, she really likes Johnson um, as as an actor. But but he's but and like he does have a distinctive like you know he's got that very round face and stuff. But that the mask is so comprehensive. Yeah, he's like, so they give him layers. a big crooked nose. Yeah, to, and you know I don't think it's unfair to say he's a very handsome man. So by mm-hmm. making him really ratty and scruffy. Yeah, you just can't no, see him like that. It's it's magnificent. It's a magnificent reveal, and, and yeah, and as well, this is this is we cannot overstate this. This is the first multi master story that mm. Doctor Who has ever done. You know, there was always the potential in theory. What well, there's no reason why they couldn't have done it in Classic Who, but they never did. Um. And, and finally, you know, now that New Who's been around long enough that it's managed to establish two very different incarnations of the Master, you've got this perfect opportunity. I I, to... I didn't see it coming, because yeah. when, when we moved from RTD to Moffat, there's yeah. a very clear book ending. Mm-hmm. And then having not seen him for, what, four or five <laughs> seasons? Yeah. I was just like, well played, everyone. Well done. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know. That's so good. Sometimes I just know when I'm beaten, and I take my hat off to them this week. <laughs> well played, everyone. Yeah, it's it's just su- such an interesting, it's such a good reveal. And, and yeah. Well, I, I think what I will say with it, with the story is, it is basically just set up. It's yeah. 45 minutes of just... Um, exposition and 
and teeing things up for a grand finale. But it does it in such a slow, careful, methodical, moody, funny, dark, interesting way that it's I find it so engaging start to finish. Um yeah, I it's like an an episode that is basically just set up an exposition should not be this entertaining. Mm. And yet it is. Well, that's it cuz we've had this reveal that Razor is the master. Yeah. But then we also get the reveal of who the Cyberman is. Yes. And the Doctor finds out it is Bill. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking. So you go from... So heartbreaking. You go from one thing of like, oh my God, this is amazing, to the verge of tears with Bill. Yeah. 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 And then... Um, I mean, yeah, that I mean, that, that fine line, I waited for you. It's, like, it's so effective with the old school Mondasian Cyberman voice. Yeah. Like, they've toned it down a little bit. I'm, pretty, I'm sure it's Nick Briggs doing doing the voice for it. And, like, he manages to hit the cadences without it being quite so ridiculous as it is at times in the Tenth Planet. Um, and the design, the design of the Mondasian... Like, it's effective in the Tenth Planet, but it's it's very much like you can see the cardboard and, and sellotape. Um, yeah, but it adds to the body horror. Yeah. If if Bill came out and she was a big shiny Iron Man Cyberman, I'd just be yeah. like, oh, great. Yeah, I mean, well, we sort of saw that with Danny in uh, Dark Water and Death in Heaven, where they had to basically take his mask off so that you'd care. Mm. Um, and be like, oh, no, it is Danny inside there, because otherwise it would just, like, you know, look like a tin robot. Um, ne- yeah, never forget the, as well, that episode was the fitting ending of the Brigadier. <laughs> You're never going to let me forget that one. You know, like, um, fan favourite character reduced to a, a robot that dies off screen. <laughs> <sighs> um, right, but... <laughs> final line. Yeah. This is not Operation Exodus. Perhaps we should call this a genesis. Oh, you can hear the eyebrows waggling. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I know that old episodes were always called the genesis of this, that, and the other. So yeah, yeah. Um, so genesis of the Cybermen. Here we go. There you go. It's um, it's so well done. It's just it's it. You you you've got to be excited for next week, right? Nah. Come on. Is... Yeah, it should be a good yeah. one. Is yeah. is a question for you? Yes. Is this episode a better penultimate episode than Utopia? Well, I could be a horrible pedant here, and you say... know what I mean. Shut up. It's not a penalty. But anyway, yeah. I think so. I think so, yes. Um, I don't think... In in some ways, you can't beat that first ever... Oh, hey, guys, the Master's coming back. Um, which you get in Utopia. Because you've got, to remember, you've got to remember, the context of the time, New Who, when it first started, 
people weren't even sure, are the Daleks going to come back? Are we ever going to get Simon? How new is this new Who going to be? And so people didn't know whether RTD had any interest in bringing the Master back. And he does it in such a clever, different way with Utopia. But the surrounding story of Utopia is a little bit black. You know, there's some, like, you know, there's some people with pointy teeth and, like, a tatty little base. What, what if Mr. Razor with. took his mask off and he was like, hey, it's me, Professor Yana. <laughs> well, I don't know. Big Finish have managed to do, what, like, seven box sets with Jacoby as the master at this point? They found a loophole somehow. I suppose it must be before he uses the chameleon arc. He's surely the master in it and not just Presumably. Professor I Yana. I don't know how they get around the the because in that in Utopia the master says he was found with the watch as a boy. So that must be like an implanted memory or something, but mm. you know. I, I'm sure that, that at some point they have an explanation. I've only listened to one freebie episode of uh Yeah, of well, I suppose stories. in Family of Blood, the Doctor talks about his parents and all sorts, so it probably yeah, that's is true, actually. an implanted yeah. memory. Yeah, but anyway, um, oh, yeah, I, I'd love to have Jacoby back on screen as an incarnation of the Master. I don't, I don't think they'd ever do it, but I'd, I'd enjoy that. But, but anyway, be thankful for what you've got. You've got yeah. two Masters on screen together. Yeah. Never been done before. Um... So yeah, so is next week just one episode finale? Yeah. Is one episode a, and then we're done with series 10. Is it a super long one or is it just an episode? Oh, I can't... It might be an hour. Right. I honestly can't remember. But can I tell... I might as well tell you the title for it. Yeah. It is called The Doctor Falls. Okay. So, yeah, that goes back to that old regeneration scene at the beginning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It does, rather. Um, so, yeah, do join us, listeners, next week when we will be discussing The Doctor Falls. But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.